Uh, if you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we've been in a, a teaching series uh, out of Peter's letters, and uh, it, it's, Peter is challenging a group of people to live the good life. Uh, and today, I, I need to warn you, uh, sometimes we'll read a whole section and then talk about it, but, but today is worthy of some like verse-by-verse verse time. Uh, we're going to begin today in, in verse 13 and end in about verse 21. And, and really what I want to do is just spend some time on, on one or two verses at a time. But, but I, need to, I need to warn you and, and I need to like, give you a heads up. Uh, today's teaching is just going to be some work. Um, I hope that uh, you're, you're chewing on God's word and that you love God's word. And uh, we challenge our students uh, this morning for this summer to, to, to do a verse a day, just one verse a day. We, we believe if you, if you open yourself up, God will speak into your life. Just give him one opportunity, one opening a day is enough. And, and sometimes the word he's going to give you is just tough. And today's, uh, today's teaching, today's word out of, uh, out of Peter is just going to have some tough stuff. So, so I need you to, uh, when you're ready to do work, you kind of do that thing with your neck. You ever do that? The thing of like, okay, uh, maybe somebody's challenged you to a fight, and you start, you know, you start doing that thing. Like, that's where I need you right now. All right? That's, that's where we're going with God's word. Let's begin uh, in verse 13 and 14. It, here's what it says. Peter's words. It says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. Whether the king is the head of state or the officials he's appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. So this section of teaching uh, uh, in, in chapter two and going on into chapter three, you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear some, some words repeated again and again and again. He's gonna repeat the, the phrase, respect and authority. He's going to challenge us to honor, and he's going to give us a challenge to goodness, but, but really he's going to challenge our acceptance of authority. I told my dad, I said, Dad, this week's teaching is, it's all about respect and authority, and, and Dad, man, it's so hard to be a preacher because the Bible's just not relevant to issues we have today. Go ahead and show that next image. I mean, this, this respect for authority thing, we, we pretty much have that down, right? I mean, maybe that was an issue that they had a long time ago, but that's not, that's not an issue for us, right? I wish the Bible were more relevant to issues we face. Um, one of our seniors uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, Josh, uh, I don't think he's even here today. We, we ask our seniors to, to talk to our other students. One of, Josh is one of our graduating seniors or graduated from high school. And we just ask our seniors to share with the other students, hey, just what, what's a nugget of advice? What's a word of wisdom that, that you want to give to the other students? Like, you know, don't eat the meatloaf at school. I don't, you know, like, I don't know. And, and so we got to Josh, and I don't know if you guys know Josh, but we didn't expect, we didn't expect much, okay? Like, I love Josh, but... We just didn't, we didn't expect much wisdom. <laughs> Not that I, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so we got to Josh, and, uh, and AC's here. She'll tell you this, but, 
But Josh said, uh, he said to all these other students, he said, uh, he said, respect looks good on everyone. And whatever you do, I want you to respect everyone. I think AC and I are still like shell-shocked a little bit. <laughs> this idea of respect is, is big and important. Respect, acceptance of authority. In this verse, in, in verse 13, it begins with, for the Lord's sake, but then it, it says, respect all human authority. We're going to come back to that for the Lord's sake part. But just for a minute, land on that word respect. Respect all human authority. That's, that's a good translation and the right translation. I'm, I'm not the best Greek scholar at all. Uh, but I know the word that is translated for respect is hypotasso. Uh, and it's, it's a combination of, of, of two wonder, uh, or two words. It, it's the word to place or arrange and the word under. So what he says Peter says, is I want you to place or arrange yourself under the all, or not just the, but all human authority. Let's be honest. Most of us think our job is not to place ourselves under authority, but to question authority. Right? This makes this harder, too, because uh, Peter is actually talking about human authority. If Peter said, look, I want you to place yourself under the authority of God, we would all say, sure, got it, mm-hmm, no problem. But that's not what Peter said. He says, I want you to respect, I want you to place yourself under all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he's appointed. He's not talking about things up there. He's talking about things down here. And, and this is, this is even, even more sticky because at that time, the king, he probably is re- referring to Caesar, who is probably this guy named Nero. And Nero is the guy who will ultimately take Peter's life. Nero's the one that's going to martyr Christians and, and the guy that throws them to the lions and that whole thing. That's Nero. And Peter is saying, look, I want you to respect all human, place yourself under that authority. There's a little bit of, you know, we think our leaders are bad today. Well, it wasn't Nero, okay? They're not that bad. So do you feel the weightiness of where he's going already? Let me ask you this, like, is there any authority you are willingly, that you're willingly placing yourself under right now? Let's keep going. In the next verse, in verse 15, he says, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. All right, it's God's will that, the, that your honorable lives, that, that word honorable is, is again, it's a, it's a translation of a Greek word, and, and what the word really means is, is to do that which is intrinsically good. So he's talking about in your life, he, he, he wants you to live honorably. He wants you to do that thing that is intrinsically good. Uh, uh, maybe a, a different way of saying it is, it is God's will that your good doing lives. Remember, this teaching series is called The Good Life. 
He says, you're good doing life. Like, like this, is, this is God's will. This is, this is what he wants. And, and when you invest in a good doing kind of life, in an honorable life, it will have this effect. It will uh, silence or muzzle those who accuse you. All right, so remember, uh, Peter is writing to, uh, he, he calls them foreigners in the land, but they're not foreigners. They're, they're men and women who have given their life to Christ, and now their values don't match up with the values of the world around them, right? So they're beginning to be persecuted and, and challenged and questioned for being Christian, for having a different set of values than the world they live in. And Peter says, he says, look, your good doing life will have this effect. Everybody that's accusing you or speaking bad about you, you live in such a way that your life will muzzle their accusations. Are you with me? Following? Let's keep going. Next verse, verse 16. He says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. The word free here means, uh, uh, means uh, uh, um, it makes me think of my neighborhood. Uh, my neighborhood is, you guys have, do any of you guys have HOA? Nazis? Yeah. Um, our, uh, our HOA has a, has a Facebook group. Um, and, man, how do I... I <laughs> I gotta love my neighbors, but talk about this. Um, th- that is some that is some crazy stuff that shows up on our Facebook group page. Um, our our neighbors are are uh, man. I I am loving our neighbors. Uh, uh, it is it is interesting to me the things that they're offended by and the things that get their attention and the things that. Um, are, are worthy of commenting on and are, are constantly challenged. Remember I said, you know, good thing we don't have any issues with the respect or authority. Um, uh, so one of the, the latest things that uh, it has got our neighborhood's attention is uh, dogs not on a leash. Um, dogs not on a leash. Um, so... Oh, this is so bad. So I intentionally walked my dog off his leash yesterday. Um, I know, I have issues. Um, but they are—they're very. Uh, so some are very upset and very concerned that dogs are off a leash when they're when they're being walked. Um, now I will I will preface that and say uh, my dog is very well trained and never left my side the entire time. And if we ever got close to anyone else, I put him on a leash. Um, but. Uh, it made me think of this verse because what what Peter says is says he says for you are free. What he what he says is your 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 dog's off a leash. That's the word. It, you're you're unshackled, um, which I've seen some dogs on a leash are just as bad as they are off a leash anyway. But um, but he says you you've been freed. But he says, don't use your freedom as an excuse. Uh, that's, that's a great word. It, it means a cloak or a cover-up or a disguise. Don't use your freedom as a disguise. Don't, don't just claim one thing so you can do something else, right? Are you following me? 
He says, you've been freed for this. You've been unshackled. You've been unleashed. But don't use your freedom as an excuse. Instead, he says, you are God's slaves. We talked about this idea a little bit last week. Um, I don't know if you remember, we talked about a museum. You told each other you, you belong in a museum. Uh, so the, the value of a piece in a museum is that it belonged to someone valuable or interesting. And, and that's what he says is, is you are the possession. You are God's slaves. You are owned by God. And, and it's important to know that, that he hasn't forced you into his service. Remember, he freed you. He freed you. And the, maybe a, a little bit of the distinction is uh, someone that has been uh, drafted into the military versus someone who has enlisted. Are those the right, is that the right language? You know, someone who is drafted into service versus somebody who enlists into service. He, he, says, he says, you're free to do whatever you want, but he invites you to re-enlist, to enlist in service. Uh, I've never been in a foxhole. I don't know what it's like. Uh, I don't know what it's like to be in the military, but if I'm in a firefight, my guess is you're going to be with, want to be with somebody who wasn't drafted, who wasn't forced to be there, but someone who enlisted, someone who chose to be in that spot. Does that sound fair? And that's what Peter is calling out. He, he says, you know, the, the real power of your service to God is not that he somehow manipulated you or forced you or coerced you into service, but that you gave yourself willingly to his service. That's the, uh, next week we're going to talk a lot more about marriage, and, and Peter's going to apply these terms of respect and authority to marriage relationships and other relationships. But, but the real power, and, and, and this is, frankly, this is the marriage that, that our world and our culture doesn't understand. Our world and culture doesn't understand a relationship where two people give themselves completely to the other. They're not coerced, they're not forced, they're not, but, but willingly and on purpose commit all of themselves to each other. Like our world doesn't get that, it doesn't understand right? Why would one accept on purpose the authority of another? That's not who we are. We just question authority. We don't, I'm not placing myself under somebody else's authority. But Peter says, that's the real power, right? I think the real power of marriage is this total sellout commitment for the other person. Are you with me? So Peter says, man, so, so you, are, you are, are, are free, yet you're God's slaves. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. And then he's going to talk about real slaves in verse 17 and 18. He says, respect everyone. Okay, there's that word again. <laughs> respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and, there's that word, respect the king. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. All right, so he shifts gears a little bit. He says, you're slaves of God, but then he, he turns his attention to real slaves. So in the Roman Empire, some estimates are as many as 600,000 slaves in the Roman Empire. 
um, the, the kind of the Roman point of view, the Roman, the Roman view was that if we're going to be rulers of the world, why am I still going to take out my trash? Right? So if we're going to be rulers of the world, then we need to have people that are going to do the, the, the everyday things for us. There's, there's no point ruling the world if we still have to do the, our own work. And so in the Roman, uh, the Roman view, uh, a slave is, is, is not a person. Uh, I know maybe it's hard for us to imagine, but, but a slave was not a person. A slave was, was a thing. A slave is a hammer that can walk and talk. That's it. Um, a slave would have, uh, have no rights. Uh, there is no such thing as justice for a slave a slave is 100% subject to the, the will and whims of the master. Uh, the only difference between a human slave and, and an ox or a donkey or a goat is that a human just happens to be able to speak. And so Paul says some, I mean, sorry, so Peter says some really interesting things. He actually turns his attention to some Christians who are not just metaphorically slaves, but are physical slaves. And he says, you who are slaves must, remember what we talked about, that word respect of place yourself under. You must submit to your masters with all respect. But here this word, uh, the, the word respect in this instance means something a little bit different. It's not the same word as in verse 13. This word means, uh, this, this respect word in Greek, it means to assign value or, or to see as precious or, or to give honor. It's pretty interesting that he says... You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. What he says is, I, I want you to see your masters as valuable. And he begins to, to challenge that, that notion that a person can be a thing. Uh, in the past, we've talked about this idea of, of incarnation and excarnation. Incarnation, Jesus is the incarnate. So, you know, uh, uh, all that was God is incarnate in the person of Jesus, right? So God put on flesh. That's what incarnate means. It means to put on flesh in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? But you can also take flesh off something. Um, uh, any hunters in here, a hunter after you kill a deer, what you do is you excarnate it. Uh, you, you take, remove the flesh from it. And especially with slaves, that's exactly what ex-carne is. It is, they are no longer a person. They no, no longer a, a, a living, breathing, willful thing. They've, they've lost their, their personhood and now have just become a thing. Are you with me? Is, it, is this tracking at all? You can say no. Okay, I get no. Okay, anyway, keep going. The, the point is that people are not things. Did you hear that? People are not things. Things are to be used. People are not to be used. People are to be loved. They are precious in his sight. Does that sound familiar? You see, all of this is 
Peter speaking into the world and challenging the idea that a person could be a thing, which, which is part of our struggle with respect and authority. And he says all of this comes out of reverence for God, the fear of God, the reverence for God, like, like this is the thing that sets the tone. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to respect your neighbors or your friends. You're not going to be able to place yourself under the authority of, of, of your boss or government or employees uh, if God is somehow out of place in your life. Without reverence for God or fear of God, nothing else can take its place, and none of the rest is even possible. I know this is dense stuff, but let's keep going. In verse 19 and 20, he says, For God is pleased um, when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. How many are really excited about this verse? (laughs) <laughs> he says of, of of course you don't get credit or fame or glory or a party or celebration uh if you're beaten for doing wrong but he says if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently so remember, this is all in the, in the realm of that definition of respect, of placing yourself under. So you've placed yourself under this authority, and now that authority is adding weight. Have you ever done that? Have you ever given yourself to the authority of someone else, and that person, for whatever reason, decided to press on you? They could make it easier, but they didn't make, choose to make it easier. They chose to make it harder on you. Have you ever been there? That's the moment Peter's talking about. He said, man, you, you, you don't get credit for, for that pressure when you've done something wrong. But, but if you suffer when, when they're putting weight on you, you've positioned them, yourself under them, and, and, and they're pressuring you, and you still choose. Look what it says. Like you, you still choose. He says, you suffer for doing good. That's what we talked about, honorable lives, right? Good doing lives. If you suffer for good doing lives, not only, remember, the first effect of a good doing life would muzzle, right? Silence those who accuse you. But here again, he says there's another effect of this good doing life, and the effect is that God would be pleased, Last verse I want to share with you. Verse 21. And, and, I, and I think this is really the penultimate verse of this section. He says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. And the very next, uh, if you read ahead, and, and we've got reading guides available, I encourage you to be chewing on some of this scripture uh, throughout the week. There's, there's some meat here, there's some weight here worthy of your time and effort. But in the next few verses, 
Uh, Peter's going to quote Isaiah, which talks about the suffering servant. He never sinned or deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate or threaten revenge. He left his case in the hands of God. And he personally carried our sins in the body on the in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we have been healed. Um, when you were kids, did you ever have uh, those uh, those writing books? I don't know if they I don't know if they still have them. Uh, I tried to take a picture of one. You guys remember this? Can you see that? Is it showing up? Yeah, they always had the red and blue lines with the dotted line in the middle. We got some English teachers in here. Yeah. You remember this? And it was, these books for me, they were always on that weird paper that was kind of brown and like it would rip and tear if you blew on it. You know, like it was like incredibly thin and, and fragile for some reason. Do you remember what you did with this? It was like, yeah, yeah. So you practiced your letters. You practiced writing your sentences. How many of you learned to write your name on something like this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is exactly kind of what, what Peter is saying. It's, it's the perfect example. He says at the, end of, at the end of that verse, he says, Jesus is your example, and you must follow in his steps. How many of you, when you were learning to write your letters or write your name or, or write a sentence, had the teacher or your parent on the top line write the letters out? And then you on the next line did what? Yeah. You tried to write them also. Maybe even you, you drew over the top of them. Go to the next slide. Peter says, Jesus, with his life, wrote these words. Respect. He said, I want you to respect God. I want you to place yourself under the authority of God. But I also, I want you to respect the authorities, the human's authorities that you live with and under and around. And he said, I want you with your lives to do good. This is it. This is, do you, do you believe it? Like, first off, do you believe that this was uh, not only Jesus' teaching, but his example? Now, the challenge is, is with your life, are you doing the same thing? I know some of you are OCD right now, and you're like, it's not exactly touching the red line. Just get over it. <laughs> But this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. Jesus has given us an example to follow. I think it's important to note that, um, remember, Peter's writing to these, these Christians who are, who are 
are trying to live in this world that, and their values no longer match. And, and it would have been, have you ever just been in the midst of a struggle or a fight or a pain? Whenever, whenever you're in the middle of a struggle or a fight or a pain or a difficulty, generally the first thing you want is just out of it. Generally, the first thing you want is, I just want to be out of this situation. My boss is such a jerk, I just want to go to Pensacola and go back on vacation. You know, like, you just, you want to remove yourself from the situation. You want to remove whatever the pain is, whatever the, whatever the you just want to get away from it. And, and you hear almost the, the Christians that are, that are giving Peter this, that, that prompted Peter to write this, you almost hear them, like, <laughs> you almost hear them begging Peter of, can you please just, just send us somewhere else? Can you please just give us permission to, man, just forget those people. They're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. Why don't you guys just go and start your own city? Why don't you go live in, in a nice little safe Christian community somewhere else? Why don't you go start your own compound where you don't have to deal with all of the, the corruption and the pain of the world? Why don't you just go and do your own thing? Do you, do you hear them kind of begging and pleading for Peter to give them permission to leave? But he doesn't. Like, like, and this is so important. This is such an important part of Peter's letter. He never gives the Christians uh, uh, of that place, of that era, of that struggle, permission to somehow check themselves out of the struggles of the world. Instead, he invites them to continually invest in the world. He doesn't say, I, don't, he doesn't say, I want you to leave. He said, I want you to bring about change from a, from a subversive way. I want you to bring about change in that world from the inside out. Are you with me? So maybe you have an unfair boss. Maybe you're feeling that pain. Peter says, look, I, I want you to endure in your good doing. There's no credit for, for, for doing good, for, for loving those who just love you back. Are you with me? He said, in the midst of the fight, I, I want you to hang on. I want you to continue to pursue goodness. And remember what he, how he begins this in verse 13. Continue to pursue goodness for the Lord's sake. That language is, is kind of like pass-through language, like, like you've gone through a passage, you've gone through a trial, you've, you've crossed from one shore to the other. He says, because you have spent this time with God, because of what he has done for the Lord's sake, I, I know I know we want to, to separate our relationships from others, from our relationship with God. Have you ever done that? Like my relationship with God is one thing, but my relationship with my boss is something else. Peter says, look, 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 there's, there's no separation. This is all how you live and, re and, and react and respond, even under suffering, is for the Lord's sake. Remember what he says in Colossians, or what it says in Colossians 3.17. It says, whatever you do in word or do, deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here's what I know. 
Verse, uh, we, we, we can go back to verse 21. It's for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. You are, you are chosen. Even if it means suffering, God has called you to this purpose, to this life of, of good doing. God has unshackled you from sin and death for the purpose of, of good doing, to bring about subversive change from the inside out. It's the purpose of all who are slaves to God, who have enlisted ourselves, given all of ourselves into his service, who have placed ourselves under his authority. So, in just a minute, uh, we're going to have a time of prayer, and, and I want to do something a little bit different in, in our communion time and in, in our response time. Um, one is, uh, I, I want you, as you can and where you can, I want you to place yourself under the authority of God again. Recognize his authority uh, maybe even that, that means maybe even kneeling or maybe uh, taking a position of submission. How can you, what can you do as we take this communion, enter in this communion time, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, completely and ultimately place yourself under the authority of God? And then also, secondly, what I want you to do during this time is uh, I want us to pray, but I want us to pray specifically for those who are in authority, not, not in heaven, but in authority here on earth. In, in 1 Timothy 2, uh, verse 2, it says, Christians are, instructed to, to, uh, Christians are instructed to pray for kings and all those in authority. Um, have we become too good at disrespecting those in authority when we have been called to pray for those in authority? So I want you maybe just to take a few minutes. I don't care who you voted for. Are you with me? to pray for those who are in authority, to pray for our country. And recognize that as, as you place your, yourself under the authority of our leaders, you, you do that as an act of placing yourself under the authority of God. So in just a moment, I'll pray. I'll dismiss you to a time of communion. And we have the, the elements of communion set up around the room. It is, it is the ultimate picture of sacrifice and love and submission and goodness. And man, when you take those elements, I, I want you to, to eat and drink of them deeply and, and meaningfully. And, and before you go to that table or after you go to that table, I would please just spend a few moments in prayer for our country and for its leaders, the authorities that exist in this place. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Um, frankly, God, I, I need to confess that uh, um, respect for authority is, is something I, I, have, I have failed at more than I have succeeded. And maybe I'm not the only one, but Father God, I pray for forgiveness. I pray that you would help us to uh, 
recognize the authorities that you've placed ab above us. Help us to place ourselves under the authority, no, not only your authority in heaven, but the authorities of, that are here on earth. Help us to be known as a people of, of respect. Help, uh, help Christians to be known as, as, as citizens that are, that are both good and useful. And Father God, where we may be, there, there may be those who are right now in our, in our midst or in our world who are suffering under some authority. Father God, I pray that you would give them perseverance, persistence, endurance. I pray that you would give them a strength uh, beyond their own. Father God, help us follow the example of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to do good in his name. We love you, Father. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, Amen. I invite you to a time of communion and prayer together.